Welcome to Farming a Turtle, an eternal podcast for har- farmers, hosted by me, Padamaro, and Hats on Lamps. It's episode 121, and for those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, but mostly me, get better at draft. Get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with the little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. So this week is the final episode before the draft open. And uh, to help us get there, we have uh, Gunner back on. So thank you for coming back on, Gunner. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. So I, I figured Gunner would be a great person to have back on here because maybe there's no one who's done more drafts <laughs> these <laughs> last couple months than Gunner, and at least <laughs> so many drafts with such success. Um, so <laughs> I know you've been drafting up a storm, sort of in preparation for the open and trying a lot of different things. So I'm excited to hear your thoughts on the format. Uh, Good stuff. Yeah. So before we get into it, as always, I like to give a shout out to our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash farming eternal, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can uh, get access to the show notes, recording bloopers when we have them, which we often do, um, as well as get a little <laughs> a little shout out and thank you here on the podcast. Uh, so thank you to our veteran patrons, D-Dubs, John, Demo, Steve Irwin, Cotillion, Loki Trickster, Mercurio Blue, Abinago, Meagles, Madness, Darth Herman 2, Twin Hex, Jed the Hammerid, Raven Dragon, Esfert 0215, Sunblaze, Work Done Sun, and Yes Stout. On the topic of uh, how many drafts you've been doing, how has uh, your draft week been, Gunnar? Uh, it's been... it's been good. It's been good, yeah. Just... I'm, I'm not quite sure, but I've nearly done as many drafts so far this month as I had the last time we spoke. So I'm up to 86 <laughs> looking at it just now um, already for this since the 1st of April, which oh, wow. is a little bit wild, a little bit wild, I'm not going to lie. And not going quite as well as last month, but still up sort of around 60, 67% win rate, so mm-hmm. two thirds of matches, um, which is not too bad. And yeah, just trying out a few different things, two faction. Three faction, four faction, even five. Yeah, on fixing stuff like that, and yeah, kind of just continuing with the same process really that we discussed a few weeks ago, where taking the kind of the best card um, in a vacuum, mostly throughout the first pack, and then holding off until the middle two packs, where most of the power is to uh, to get solidified in uh, in where you where you are in that particular draft. Mm-hmm. So you are you're so you're still leaning towards that strategy as being the most successful for you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I've started as well in the last week or so, just taking banners even more highly than I was before. If there's like literally over like anything but kind of the premium commons and uh, and uncommons and stuff like that, and seeing how that works mm-hmm. because having access to those um, those banners and uh sort of dual lands and stuff like that is is quite important and and makes splashing those powerful invoke stuff uh, a lot easier right okay yeah because i i have seen in your the seven win decks you've been posted you you are kind of uh sort of all over the place where you do have some almost two color decks and then you, you you continue to have some of these three or four color decks so um so, so sort of we, we talked about this at the end of uh, the last episode you were on where I kind of asked whether you felt comfortable going into the open drafting like what you know when there's money on the line are you still feeling comfortable drafting like these four color 
uh, invoke tiles or whatever. And say, um, for sure, for sure, yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because um, I won't force it if it's not right. there. No, um, sometimes, especially how the facts of function, you might not see, you might not see these invokes and stuff like that. But leaving yourself open to it, and then kind of being able to audible into, you know, if there's like an iogen. Um, in pick one, pack one, for example, I'm probably going to take that regardless of where I am and then just see what happens because right. it's such a powerful card um, that you can kind of... And there's so many playables in the middle two packs that you realistically, you, you're normally going to get sort of two-thirds, I would say 20 out of the 30 cards probably from the middle two packs and then the remaining 10-ish, um, depending on how much you inscribe you get from the uh, pack one and four. I guess one question or one thought I, I kind of had towards this is, do you think like going into the draft open, especially maybe more in particular in the top 64 or 128 or whatever it's going to be uh, with the new format? Like, I guess I was wondering if that changes things, because I feel like part of the reason you can get away with these really greedy four faction decks is almost feels like on ladder, you're less likely to get punished for it because it's not, you're almost like, just statistically, you're less likely to be against someone who, you know, I feel like in the open, you might just be against better players and therefore they're more likely to curve out on you or you know, to draft a fire aggro to try to punish these kind of decks or whatever. Um, yeah. Is that something you need to think about or is that something you sh- you, you uh, don't really need to worry? You, you shouldn't worry about as much, you know? Specifically talking about day two, it's certainly something to consider, yeah. Yeah, because you would expect absolutely to be facing a higher caliber of competition at that stage. And so you would have to draft or sort of what I would look to do as well as I kind of normally do is when you're drafting these four, four or five faction kind of things, you need early interaction. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, that's why trick throw is such a, a nice card to have. Cause you can just trade in, um, you know, if, if, if you're on the draw, you can trade in something that you're not going to be able to use at the moment. Um, not just a spare power, but like a, possibly a situational card or like an inscribed card like bathing light for example um is kind of something that might not necessarily be good in that matchup um and so you can just change that into a snowball and then you know take out their two one which saves you like six to eight life or whatever in the long game sorry in in the early game while you're trying to set up so you do you have to be mindful you know that you will be facing more well-constructed decks and uh but at the same time kind of if everyone goes goes greedy and stuff then you you need to be able to compete with that so it's kind of tricky getting the balance (laughs) right yeah exactly so it's going to be kind of an interesting uh i think it's going to be a pretty interesting draft open because it does seem like there's a wide variety of decks and opinions on how to best draft this format and definitely and it seems like some of those are exploitable and it'll be interesting to see (laughs) where everyone sort of ends up Mm -hmm. um another question this is a little bit off topic from uh you know the open and prep for that but you know you've done like a ton of drafts the the last two months and i i know you play 
uh, magic also. Uh, I guess I I wonder, so why do you play so much Eternal compared to Magic? I just find it, I just enjoy it more at the moment, yeah. to be honest. Like, I go through cycles a little bit um, with a specific format, whether it be Eternal or Magic and stuff like that. Obviously, when it comes out, it's new, it's fresh, it's exciting. Um, right. And I did play quite a bit of the new Magic format when it came out, Neon uh, uh, Kamigawa, and it was good. I enjoyed it. But yeah, I, f- I found, especially over the last year, 18 months or so, um, and especially with the draft changes as well to the rewards, yes. it's meant you can get... Um, luckily, I haven't had to sort of spend any money since we started. That, that reward kind of system came in. So it's definitely incentivized me to play some more as well. Because while I was more than happy you know, to just buy some gems every now and again, um, it was certainly part of it. The fact that you knew basically that it was statistically impossible to kind of go infinite um, without playing tons of um, gauntlet or, or what have you um, to grind gold for draft. So, so yeah, I think I just, I just enjoy it more. The matches are faster. Um, and, and yeah, I just really enjoying this, this current specifically, this current, uh, the last couple of formats with the uh, cold hunt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like really interesting to me because, you know, like, I know some people are getting a little tired of this format because it has been out for a while, and yet you're, (laughs) it's it's felt a little bit like you were you're just warming up. (laughs) (laughs) So I I was just kind of wondering if you know part of that was like prepping for the open, or just like you've just there's something about Eternal Draft compared to say Magic that has sort of caught your fancy recently. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would, and yeah, just. To sum up, it probably would be the fact that I've enjoyed this format just, yeah, a ton, a ton, yeah. and the, the variety and stuff like that that uh, keeps it fresh. Yeah, I I agree. I've been doing a little bit of Neon Dynasty drafting this past week, um, and there's just, yeah, playing Eternal is just so much smoother mm-hmm. that, honestly, it's like, feels like just the queue times are the only thing holding Yeah, back. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, indeed, yeah. Sometimes I'm just like not in the mood to wait for a minute and a half or two minutes or whatever. It's really interesting because I don't know, just like not having played Magic Draft in a year or so, I I just forget how complicated Magic cards are nowadays. Yeah, 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 definitely. With the, and it's only become like exacerbated with the uh, the digital space kind of that you tried to for a reader. Um, yeah, with COVID and stuff like that, they've just. I, I can't imagine trying to play with some of these cards in in paper. Um, you know that they've uh, that they've invented, and some of the mechanics and stuff are just super, super wordy and convoluted. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and it's it's really made me appreciate Eternal Draft even more to some degree, where you can just have such I for me like fun and interesting gameplay, but like without a million words on every common and. Uh, it, yes, it's very clean and succinct. Definitely. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, it was just uh, another thought I had. Cool. So, um, I guess we'll go into card of the week. What is your card this week? So, my card of the week is Dangerbot. Dangerbot, which is the uh, fire two drop. That's a one-one revenge, and whenever your enemy or your opponent takes 
non-combat damage, it gets plus one uh, attack. Yeah, so does this card win the ward for most improved in the new format, do you think? I think it's certainly up there, for sure. <laughs> certainly up there with the, um, with the addition of Nightfall, where if you trigger it on your turn, or whoever triggers it, it just depends on the timing of when it will get the buff. But um, plus the Mercenary Vanguard that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, the Fire 2-3 that deals damage whenever you attack with two units. Yes. Um, and just, yeah, in general. Uh, so, like, this is not a card that I particularly... Well, I, I, I never played it. I, 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 the first iteration of the format, I, I, I can't recall playing it at all, really. Maybe in some niche sacrifice stuff with, like, a few Midnight Hunters and stuff and Combusts. Just as like a revenge unit, but probably not even then. I, I literally have only had one deck with it where it's really gone off so far because I haven't tried it too often, I don't think. But I basically had three copies of Danger Bot. I had two Mercenary Vanguards and um, four or five Nightfall Triggers, um, including Harbinger's Bite, which is the one-drop shadow spell that deals two damage with life steal to your opponent and triggers Nightfall. So that gives two triggers um to your danger bots which one for the damage and then one for the nightfall which actually did quite a lot of work and uh and yeah i managed to get it went the deck went seven on one and danger bot and a few at least two games was at least a five one one game i got a seven one and an eight one danger bot comeback um so they get pretty big pretty fast <laughs> yes yeah i i agree so so it's a, I think it's it's interesting because it's a card I just have such a low opinion of that I st I almost like don't see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know exactly now. That, so. And yeah. and so it's actually really tough because you do get these decks where it actually could slot in, and then it's like you you have to stop yourself and like really reevaluate some of the packs because some cards even in set 12 you know the evaluation of them has changed based on the draft packs and i think danger bots like an important lesson where there are where i i found myself passing it and then thinking about it sort of after the fact and being like oh actually danger bot wouldn't be that bad in this deck and um yeah i think it's a good yeah. example of that yeah you definitely can get um you can go a little bit on autopilot and just uh, based on your previous evaluation, not update it for sure, which is 100% what I did um, towards the start. Because while I'm not like going out and forcing it or picking everyone I see, just you get them so late um, and no one else wants them that uh, they're there if you find yourself in that position. Yes, exactly. And uh, yeah, and especially if in pack one you manage to pick up a mercenary vanguard or a few nightfall triggers, then there's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, that's it. it. This actually follows uh, the theme of my card a little bit, uh, which is uh, I picked a Lethride Darkstalker, which is the three primal zero four that says plus four attack at night, summon nightfall. And this is kind of a card where I've almost had the opposite problem, where it was I pretty strong in its original format. And so I have trouble not thinking of it 
as a strong card, but I don't think mm-hmm. it's as strong in this format. And so <laughs> it's it's just like a sort of an example for me of sort of the opposite way where sometimes the draft packs can trick you a little bit in the other direction where you had these previously strong cards that maybe don't actually fit as well in the current format as they used to. I don't know if you have any opinions on Darkstalker. I do, I do. Yeah, I don't think it's playable. <laughs> um, like, unfortunately, the primal support for Nightfall or just support for Nightfall in general is just not there. Like you say, in its original format, you had. Um, I want to say this is like a this is a pretty early, like the first four within the first four sets of Eternal, um, where think. you would get yeah, where you would get some like I, I think at that time there was no draft packs, so you would get four packs of the latest set or at least two of the latest set or something like that but I, it feels like there was just a lot more support for it so it would be turned on most of the time basically and you would have Bane Serosaur basically in, in Primal which is good because Primal usually doesn't get units that large but now it's yeah you just basically paying three to deal four damage draw a card which is fine Nightfall they draw a card and then it kind of just sits there and doesn't do much yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And so I think there are, uh, you know, certain cards like that um, where you just got to reevaluate another one. And this one is still, I think, pretty good in the in this format. But like, you know, like a card like Shugo Hook Sword, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the seven fire fire seven five that when you deal damage, you play a two two. Like, I, I think that's still pretty good in this format, but it's not as like dominant as it was in uh the format it came out where you were playing uh like cards like soldier and smithing and yes. all of these like yeah. weapon yeah, recursion yeah. spells just because like a weapon like um shugo hooksword was so strong that you could just win a game by playing one and then recurring it over and over again and stuff and um you know in this format it's not even like seven is expensive for anything. It just doesn't quite line up as as well or as dominating as it was in that previous format. So uh, w- once again this week, we don't have a, a sh- shout outs for our seven win uh, run breakdown. We still are continuing to collect lists and people are posting them in the Discord. Uh, so if you d- would like to see all the seven wins, uh, see uh, the many, many seven win lists that uh, Gunner posts uh, every day. Uh, you can check them out in our Discord, or you can, uh, if you're not on Discord, send in your seven win list to farmingeternal at gmail.com. And uh, we are still collecting them. Kind of slowed down a little bit, as even though the open's coming up, you know, the format's getting a little old. We've gotten so many lists this format, so we've been a little more lax, and we've all been busy. So we've been a little bit more lax about updating the spreadsheet and stuff, but uh, we still love to see everyone's list. So Please continue to post them, and we'll give a big shout out in the next couple weeks once we catch up. Um, so yeah, I think our main topic here uh, is, is getting ready for the draft open. We've talked a little bit about this, and I've I've been kind of racking my brain about the best way to have an episode to prep or, prep for the draft open. Partially, it's like a little difficult for me to wrap my brain around because this format's been out for a long time, and so. I have like some opinions of the format. And so it seems like clear to me, but it's like, uh, you know, how to best express this on the podcast, because not everyone is say has done 
as many drafts as you have done or I have done yeah. or listens to every episode uh, like I do because I'm on them. Uh, so. <laughs> and, and then also it's, uh, it's w- one thing I, I wanted to ask is I feel like this format is almost like harder to prep for than certain formats because this, this draft open is going to be done with draft packs being drafted first, which makes sort of ranking cards and stuff nearly impossible because you're dealing with such a giant card pool. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, for sure. You know, so like, I feel like this format's almost like is a hard format to prep for in that sense without just doing a ton of ton of drafts because like at a draft meeting, like you can't just be like, oh, here's my top commons and uncommons. And these are, or especially like the rares. It's like really hard to, to rank the rares because there's just like 200 of them <laughs> or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which, um, yeah. And, and, the, and the rares and legendaries don't have as huge of a uh, boosted rating as the commons and uncommons do. So it's not even like the boosted rares you see that much more than the unboosted rares. So you're really dealing with a huge card pool. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do think there are some uh, top commons and uncommons that are good to look out for. So I figured we would start with, uh, start with that. Um, Just give a shout out to some of the, best commons and uncommons in the draft packs so yeah so for fire um i think torch is kind of the clear standout a best common um one fire deal three damage to an enemy um it's just very very good it's slow but even though it's not fast anymore it's still kind of premium can deal with cards trade up at like a mana advantage or sort of a power advantage so you can kill sort of four, even five drops sometimes, plus it can go face if you need it to. And then I think below that, kind of all on a similar tier, I would say, um, depending on how your deck's set up. Um, Mercenary Vanguard, as we've mentioned, the two free that pings when you attack with two, each, each unit pings it when you attack the two, it pings your opponent. Um, and then, yeah, kind of alongside Mercenary Vanguard, you've got Warbrush only um, as a two drop, alongside Bloodspear, Foot Soldier, another two-drop that's quite aggressive. Uh, Warhorn uh, as a quite a nice weapon that, because of how Eternal functions different to Magic, uh, there's no window or response for putting a weapon on a unit. So, which is one of the things that I most struggled with getting my head around when I first started, was that someone put, would play a, a weapon on a unit and then attack straight away. I'm like, wait a minute, I can't do something in between that window but it means that weapons are um quite a bit better than auras are in magic and so yeah being able to just buff up a unit on turn turn four especially if you're on the play and getting kind of gives your opponent a tough choice because they nine times out of ten they won't be able to block and trade and so they either have to take the damage or give and give you a two two or a or chump and, and go from there and um and Blitzstone as well is uh, another probably one of the top fire commons that's kind of just below that torch where torch is out on its own really is the best one. I, I know like Theo, who uh, the overmaster who we had on last week, he was like really yes. high on Mercenary Vanguard. Do you consider Mercenary Vanguard like a 
above these other tiers, like in a pack, like of these like sort of second tier commons you pick, which which would you pick? Sure. sure. Yeah, I would go with the Vanguard as well because mm-hmm. it's such a like a unique effect and gives you a lot of reach. Um, yes. When I say reach, I mean even if your opponent's at like six, seven, even eight life, if you've got like a board full of, full of creatures and even only one of those um, is like a chump attacker, uh, you can whittle them down very quickly from that. Um, you know, so similar to that with Cabal and Bezler, um from Cold Hunt, it gives fire and shadow um stone star specifically like a lot of reach yes. in, the, in the late game and then um my other question is warhorn is that a card you're happy to pick up early like would you play multiple of these in your deck or is it just like a, a card that you're happy if it makes your you know if you can pick one up so i started off the format because I've I've kind of always held it quite in high, quite high regard from previous sets, mm-hmm. um, so I I started off taking you know ending up with sort of three four of them and stuff like that even not not maybe not four but certainly three of them I've played before um, and that didn't go too well like when I've had mercenary vanguards and stuff to to get a ping from the attack and also when it connects it's done really good work but. Yeah, it's not been quite as impressive, I think, because there's quite a lot of removal around and there's not many good targets uh, outside of Primal with, like, Aegis. It's very good on Snowpeak Eagle, for yes. example, and the the 2-2 flyer uh, that's got Aegis as well, which is uncommon in Primal. Um, but outside of kind of those things, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not got too many good targets, unfortunately. So time, I would say, yeah, Trailmaker... And Bang Sarasaur out on top is the uh, the standouts. That I'm I'm happy to first pick those either of those. Um, probably Trailmaker actually more than Bang Sarasaur. I know Bang Sarasaur was my card of the week last time, but Trailmaker just does uh, allows you to do way too much. To be honest, for a two drop that's common, um, and then if you start to get multiples of them, it can uh, mean you can effectively just take all the invoke cards. You know, splash the powerful inscribe stuff and just go wild. And then that second tier. And so, just below that, um, I would probably put Power Breach Sentinel um, over Nocturnal Creeper. And I've mentioned uh, Amoran Archaeologist as well because that kind of ties in with the theme of ramping up time decks, especially kind of happy to ramp up to six and even seven. Uh, you know, getting down Carnosaur Beta. Um, on turn six is a uh, it's a pretty pretty big game. Uh, it allows you to play Rune Sword as well on turn you know turn earlier, which a four four relic weapon at that stage of the game can usually get a two for one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I th- I think time we talked about this last time. Uh, time kind of has quite a good um, <laughs> a good yes. number of good yeah. commons, and it, it's really interesting because like this whole list are cards that they added in the latest update. Um, so yeah, exactly. Yeah. They've upped the power level a lot. The last update. Yeah. So I, I think the one interesting thing um, for me here is whether you would pick bang Sarasaur or power breach Sentinel um, in a head to head together. Yeah. I think I would take the Sarasaur um, okay. because I think it's kind of been brought up 
when we've discussed this, I think previously, but firstly, there's, even though I think power breach is probably the best six drop, there are kind of replaceable similar effects with the monk, um, the six, five overwhelm monk that gains life and kind of carnosaur beta is a similar, you know, right. Similar kind of top end, but I think power breach being able to drop because it draws the top power of your deck as well. It just makes all of your future draws so much better if you uh, get to swing in with it. Even just a couple of times, um, you're usually sort of way far, very far ahead. So uh, in spite of all that, I think Bang Sarasaur on turn three on the play is just so tough to deal with that, um, that yeah, it just can can snowball very quickly and get your opponent out of the game. Combo so well with four stall because... Usually they have to multiple block it and then it gets bigger when you draw a card and uh, yeah, it does it all. Yes. Um, cool. So now uh, Justice and Primal actually, you kind of had this scrape a little bit to, to get a large yeah. list of uh, comments. Uh, so uh, yeah, so what are your Justice top comments? Justice, I would say top on finest hour are probably the standout ones for justice and then uh copper hall portal would be the tier just below that um and then honestly beyond that there's not much else really it's like fine filler you know like the the two drop tinker that's got endurance right um and stuff like that which is is all fine but yeah short barrel like the two one ages weapon i've not particularly like that too yeah i i agree that aegis weapon i feel like most of the best flyers have or i guess mostly eagle already has aegis so then, yeah so then it's like yeah. what are you playing it on where you're really like really doing it um yeah like put it on the screechers four free aegis flyers like okay um and then like avrax kind of same deal you know it's fine but yeah yeah that's I agree. All right, so then on to primal. So primal has even less options. I feel I've kind of highlighted wisdom of the elders, um, and yeah, snow slinger. Yeah, as yeah. Uh, as kind of the top ones. Yeah, I, I agree. I added cyber hyena just so we could make it a a, a top three. But uh, sure, sure, but. Cyber Hyena is kind of interesting to me because I know this was a contentious card of sorts in, in the previous format where some people loved Cyber Hyena and then some people, you know, thought it was like barely playable. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Where where do you find Cy- Cy- Cyber Hyena fits in this current format? So it might just be because Stealth's not a main set uh mechanic yeah right now but i feel like people have been playing worse against stealth since the shift or since like basically a new format came out right so people are less experienced with it they don't quite um know all the possibilities and stuff so i think cyber hyena specifically benefits from being in firstly it's kind of what you want to achieve from your stealth Right, so Cyber Hyena is a card that you want to trade either with some removal from your opponent, they waste a removal spell on it, and you draw a card, which is great. Or you trade with uh, their two or three drop, 
um, ideally when you're blocking, but sometimes when you're attacking as well. So the best, the colors with the best stealths. So you're obviously playing primal if you're playing Cyber Hyena. So the colors with the, the stealth that that most your opponent is most likely to block is, I think, in shadow, and yes. then in time as well, mainly because of botanist. Um, to be honest, so the fact that those cards exist and it. It's, it's not an aggressive cyber hyena is not a card you really want to play in like an aggressive card because oh, sorry aggressive list because firstly it'll be in in skycrag mainly or um or something like that it's, it's kind of the main aggressive color combination with primal in it and for skycrag your opponent is just going to let you hit them basically or they should do at least when you attack with it on turn three and then they can literally either take the two damage uh or block it with like an o5 guardian or something just forever and you're kind of down a card. So combining it in a color combination of, of film, um, I think has worked the best for me. And then, yeah, just just knowing what you want from it. And in, in, it's very it's one of the cards that probably has the highest disparity of, of decks that is good in purely based on what colors you're playing, which is quite interesting. Yes. Yeah, and I also think it's going to be a card that will probably go down in value in the open once you get to the um the top 64 because it will be open deck lists and 100 percent all stealth will do that yeah 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 and uh, even more so than uh the previous format because you just i think in this format there is definitely still some stealth units but there's not as high a density as there was and so I exactly, think it's, yeah. it's going to be harder to even try to like obfuscate it by like <laughs> drafting a bunch of different stealth units or something. Cause you just might not get the, you know, the number of different stealth units to make it tricky for your opponent. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like that's one of the kind of I, the things I, w- I definitely had in mind going into that, uh, the tournament for the previous format where stealth was the main mechanic was, you know, if there's nothing else in the pack, just taking a, a random stealth, that um, your opponent will see in your deck list and have to play around accordingly. Um, even you know if it's not, you don't end up running it. They still have to be mindful of it. Whereas now, you're not going to get that variety or or quantity of stealth um, to uh, to make them really have to think about it too much. Right. Okay. So then on to shadow. Uh, shadow. Yeah. So I think. I think Steward, Karen and Steward, um, which is your card of the week a couple of weeks ago, and Triumphant Return are the two premium um, Shadow Commons in the draft packs with probably Execute um, and then Extinguish just a bit behind it, those two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've also mentioned Glen Pathcutter as well as a, a really solid you know, common that, um, that most opponents don't really want to trade with earlier on. To give you a buff and uh you can sacrifice it you can discard it and it's uh just does just quite a bit of work for a for a one drop yeah yeah i i agree i um so where do you fall on the like first execute or first extinguish <laughs> um, i would i think i would go first execute over first extinguish majority of the time mm-hmm. because um Yes, it doesn't hit endurance units without you. Like execute doesn't hit endurance units without you sort of doing some some work. 
but the fact that it's kind of non-conditional is uh, is a pretty big game. Plus, the two damage as well is not irrelevant, right? With Danger Bot stuff like that, right? It all adds up. Um, Extinguish, I, I do like it quite a lot. It does normally trade up. Like I said, I think I've said before, you know, you can kill the the three five endurance valor in justice. Um, that's uh, usually, especially, uh, it can be sort of quite difficult to remove. Right, I know fire kind of has hoof stomp and stuff, but um, but it doesn't. You can't you can't searing fist it, and you can't usually execute it without attacking funkily into it. So, yeah. Extinguish definitely hits a lot of a lot of fairly good sized units, but um, I think execute I would take over it to start with. Right. Okay, and then uh, you know we talked about these uh, the the last podcast too. I think the the standout multicolor common is awakened student, and um, and then also mm-hmm. definitely yeah uh, seek power. And uh, the banners. So I know you mentioned that you've been taking uh, the banners more highly. Um, would you take most of these cards over uh, over a banner, or like how high are you taking a seek power banners, sort of compared to this list? Yeah. So I would say about seek power quickly first, because um, I think it's kind of that's contextually contextually changed as well um the value of that i think it's gone up in my personal opinion it's gone up again um more to a card that i kind of actively uh in the outside of two color strict two color decks i actively want one of them um probably when you start veering into kind of three four faction five faction um you definitely want one and even though there is inscribing the format and you are playing, you know, these fifteen power counts and stuff, the just the 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 fixing that it gives you. Um you're playing such high and impactful cards, you know, invokes better than draw a card because you get a choice. Um there's quite a lot of like looting effects in the format I found, you know, Torgov's Wares, uh, Pitfall Trap. Um, and sort of quite a few other commons and stuff like that. You can ransack stuff like that where you can get rid of an extra power as well as wanting to hit these six and seven drops, especially in time, legacies and stuff like that. The the high faction requirement cards that are super powerful. Um, I, I, I think Seek Power is kind of, and especially coupled with the fact that the first pack, you know, is such a low power level you do want to take cards that you're more likely to play and seek power is definitely one of them for me mm-hmm. so i would take i don't think i would take seek power over any of those top commons that we've discussed um outside of the primal ones so i think i would take seek power probably over wisdom and yeti but i don't think i would take it over any of the uh torch trailmaker sarasaur topple finest steward or return um i think i might take it over awakened student just because awakened student is too uh dual faction yes but that's kind of that's kind of like a that's still quite close because student is so powerful um and the same deal kind of for the banners really i'm i'm taking them depending on where where i am 
in the pack, kind of how I'm looking and stuff, I will lean towards taking the banner, if especially if it shares kind of I've been lucky enough, you know, to like pick up a powerful splashable effect like Triumph and Return already, or like a some of these uncommons that we're gonna talk about in a minute that single faction. Um I will probably lean more towards, you know, that banner and uh the possibilities that it can give you. That's interesting. Yeah. The the banners are always tricky for me because it's like always hard. We keep talking about how it's so important to really pick your colors based on packs two and three. But then sometimes, you know, you have like a few cards and a few different colors in, in, in pack one and none of them are super powerful. And then there's like a banner that's two totally different colors. And you're like, oh, well, this doesn't yeah. really match anything I have. But I still think you're supposed to, <laughs> you're supposed to take it because you really just don't know in this format yeah exactly yeah yeah and that's kind of where i am is um it's just because you because you don't quite know you just you're just taking it and um yeah usually being quite happy about it cool all right so let's go on to the uncommons i, th- I think this was like a, a helpful list so um how about the uncommons in uh, fire yeah so i think uh, I think Heretic's Canon is probably out on its own um, as the strongest, strongest single, single strongest effect and card that you can have, just because it's so potent and um, an adept at kind of closing out games, mm-hmm. usually in one hit, um, but sometimes even sorry, usually in two hits, but sometimes even in one just massive swing. Um, then you've kind of I've mentioned the Shugo's Hook Sword as a card. Absolutely, I would agree with kind of what you said earlier about it not being quite as potent as it was in its first format. But I still think it's very, very good um, being a card that uh, kind of comes down, eats something, makes a blocker, and yeah. And then if you start comboing it with any of the fire damage spells, you just start to uh, to pop off um, as well. So I do like that quite a bit. Um, obviously, Stone Star Maul is quite good. Similar kind of vein to Hook Sword. It's a big relic weapon. Rebel Illuminator is a very nice, usually a two for one, like a three one body that uh, you get a torch off of it. Bottoms up is a good finisher as well. And then I've, or just for, even for just trading in sort of some Grenadine Rescue tokens for like two bigger units is quite useful. And then I've kind of mentioned Morning Star as well as like a, a powerful weapon that can end games quite quickly if your opponent doesn't have the right answer at the right time. Yes. And Ankle Cutter as like a nice aggressive two drop that got buffed to a 3 2 uh, a while ago now, but it used to be a 3 1, but now it's a 3 2. And the fact that there are quite a f- especially that's 3 5. Yeah, the refugee. Endurance, the refugee, yeah. The fact that that kind of negates that. And I also played one against my opponent had a helena um it was pretty good against that as well recently so uh so yeah all right so um is there like a line are you taking all of these uncommons over like a seek power or the very top commons like uh, uh trail maker or carrot and steward pack one pick one yeah i think i take i take i think i take all of the i think i take all of the yeah, all of these probably over seek power apart from maybe ankle cutter and bottoms up because they're kind of slightly more contextual 
right and fit into less styles of decks right they're, they're kind of limited to uh to quite aggressive decks but all of the others are um you can either splash them like for the hat for the for the cannon morning star on the illuminator or uh they're just kind of big powerful impactful cards like the maul and the uh and the hook sword so how about time then so time has got uh Blurry, blurry, blurred, sky block. <laughs> Stigmalock. Uh, yeah. Stigmalock, there you go. That's excellent. Um, which is, yeah, can be very good, especially if you power uh, combo it with like a Resolute Monk, which is also on the list. You can use, you could potentially get it down, you know, turn, um, turn four or turn three even, which uh, is, yeah pretty unstoppable uh lumen defender is great as like a big stabilizing body that um comes down a one five deadly is super annoying to attack into sticky flytrap even though it's a stealth unit and again in the top 64 day two or what have you open deck lists it'll be less your opponent's gonna be playing around it if they need to um the fact that it gets around aegis is very good with the eagle sort of the two three sky peak eagle being around and uh, I've also mentioned Pillar of Amar as well, which is kind of like a big top-end finisher that I still think is uh, very good if you build your deck in the right way. Yes, I agree. Um, and then another uh, one that I, I just thought of that I think has improved quite a lot, uh, partially because they buffed it, and that's uh, the Illuminator, which is the yes. the 3 cost 3-3 three, three that gains plus 2, plus 2, and some life if you played a spell the turn yeah i think it's two life yeah 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 no i did consider adding that as well um because yeah it's the fact that it's now three three power instead of four power means it just opens up a lot more potential for you to play a cheap spell and it in the same turn yeah Um, exactly definitely and and then there's also just some like amazing um you know you know like if if you like warning shot and kill their two one and then play an illuminator or something yeah um, yeah, on turn three, or you can also try it for return it as well, um, and uh, and you know get it back and and trigger it again. Yeah, also quite nice. Exactly. So again, are you, uh, let's use our our line of like a ankle uh, or seek power or um, a trail maker. Are there uh, are are you taking all of these over those cards, or is there a line here? I would. Take all of those these cards here over over those. Um, so sorry, just to get a distinction, I guess Trailmaker. Uh, I, I like Trailmaker a lot more than Seek Power. To put it into perspective, okay. so um, Seek Power. Yeah, I, I would like if there was an, if they were in a pack, I would take Trailmaker over Seek Power. Right, um, and I, I have. Kind of basically, Trailmaker is the, is the best uncommon, oh, best common, best common sorry, yeah. Much. Yeah. So, um, and I think Seek Power, while I, I do like it, I, I don't quite have it on that high, um, high level because I take basically all of those commons that I mentioned probably over it. Yeah. The, the top ones. Yeah. 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 So, um, I think I would take Trailmaker over Sticky Flytrap, but I think the rest of them I would take, I would take over Trailmaker. Okay. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of the line. Yes. Uh, and then you just take them all over the seat power. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. 
All right, cool. All right, so then on to Justice. Justice has got Orion Jailer, which is a very nice three drop. Vanquish, excellent removal. Mask, um, ceremonial mask that you that you listed is very good. Um, I've I've been quite impressed with that. Uh, eating a unit on turn six and then giving that boost, that four plus, plus four plus four is a very big boost. Um, so usually it's a lot more than the four damage that you're getting. You know, it's either forcing some awkward blocks or you pop it on a flyer and it gets sort of six, seven damage in um, out of nowhere. So I've liked that quite a bit. Um, the Aviator, this is a two-drop. I can't remember. Pioneering Aviator, I think the name of it is. Um, it's quite a nice two-drop that gives you armor whenever you cast a spell. And then it gets flying as well while you have armor, which is just quite useful. And uh, Copper Hall Cudgel as an equipment that also kind of leaves you some value once a unit dies that it's wielding. Yes. Um, it's quite nice too. Yes, I, I agree. It's a it, there's definitely some good cards. I think Orange Jailer probably is the the standout. Yeah, uh, yeah. of yeah. the list here. So again, why don't we use our our two little um, you know our top top common of sure. Trailmaker and then uh, Seek Power. Sure. So I think I take the top. I think I take Jailer Vanquish and Mask over Trailmaker, mm-hmm. and then I think I take. The probably I think the aviator over seek power, but the cudgel. Um, I probably take seek power over the cudgel. Okay, yeah, I, I could definitely definitely see that line. I'm probably I probably would. Uh, yeah, I'm less high on aviator, but I I could be wrong okay. on that one. Okay, but uh, um, all right, then on to primal. So even though primal is pretty lackluster on the common side it's definitely got some very nice uh, uncommons uh adaptive predator is a very very good finisher usually ends the game um after one or two attacks especially yeah so if it survives after the first attack you're kind of um very hard to lose uh Jotun hurler after the buff has been um excellent and i've found myself splashing it on a few occasions and every time it's been great just having two snowballs that you can kind of makes blocking so difficult. Pops Aegis just does. You can discard them to you know Torgos wear stuff like that. Uh, permafrost is a very nice efficient removal, even though there is kind of some endurance units and Brigade Hall is still very very good. Um, perma- the fact that it's only one power for permafrost is nice. Grizzle yeah. Guard is excellent. And has definitely improved, I think, the fact that people have not been playing around stealth as well. Um, I've definitely found myself getting a lot of free cards from my opponents when they're trying to kill my five-drop stealth, and it's a Grizzle Guard, and uh, they're sad, and I'm not sad. Yeah, um, well, Grizzle Guard is just so hard to play. Yeah, <laughs> to exactly, play into, exactly. Because yeah. sometimes, I don't know, I find myself, I'm probably on the <laughs> these people here talking about side of things where I'm like, okay. I'm yeah. like, if this is a displacer, I win the game. If it's a grizzled guard, uh-huh. I lose the game. And then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I do the play. And then despite this being an uncommon, it's somehow always grizzled guard. <laughs> always the guard. It's always the guard. Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> and then I lose the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, 
it's a very nice one. But yeah, like I say, all the stealth pretty much will lose some value um, on day two because yes. of open deckness, unfortunately. Um, polymorph as well is uh, is up there um, as a, just a very clean, splashable removal. Gets around sort of buffs and stuff like that um, from war cries, from you know uh, pull from duty stuff like that that buffs some units. It's uh, and I, yeah, I think I would take all of these. I would take all of these over Trailmaker and Seek Power. Yeah, one by one. Yeah, I love the new uh, Yo Inhurler. It's it's fun mm-hmm. because all the constructed people are like, oh, I can't believe they no- nerfed Yo Inhurler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The draft people are like, man, I can't believe they buffed Yo Inhurler to be so strong. <laughs> yeah. All right, and then on to Shadow. Shadow. Um... Shadow again has not got too much to pick from, unfortunately, but uh still still decent. Still decent. Suffocate is excellent, cheap removal, same as Extinguish really always pretty much trades up for mana which or power, which is good. Uh Minotaur Light Hoof, since they changed that or buffed that has been very nice being able to randomly hose um Horn of Plenties and Expedition Gear, stuff like that. Is very good and relic weapons as well. If you know someone's played a relic weapon and got some value from it, you can kind of force them to sack it. Yeah, because this is one of the few ways you really can deal with a card like expedition yeah. gear in this format. Yeah, exactly. Well, yes, especially like as a an advantage as well, right? Almost because yeah. you you don't spend a card on it. Um, Diangelo's might is still a nice top end card. Um, even though it does cost six now, it still can draw you, you know, sort of three, four plus cards, um, which is pretty, pretty game breaking, to yes. be honest. But you do have the downside of it not doing anything sometimes. And then I also mentioned Plague as well, just a very efficient removal spell slash just permanent effect. The fact that it's permanent is so strong, just like uh, permanently nerfing your opponent's side of the board. As well as randomly killing like all the X ones is uh, is very strong. Yeah, I I agree. Um, that yeah, yeah, plague is very good. I think D'Angelo's might you know it did get nerfed to six costs, but the fact that this is a slower format, I think, also helps mm-hmm. it, it to yeah to some yeah, degree. Yeah. So there's some balance there, and I think it is better in some factions than others. You know, like time with its beefy guys, but then there's For also. Sure there are a number of ways to like you know randomly buff your units your units are like stronger <laughs> for temporarily um you know yeah like rampaging commando stuff like that yeah um, exactly mm-hmm. definitely uh, um so yeah i probably would take i would probably take trailmaker over dianglo's might just because it, of how like double shadow firstly um, even though I know Lighthoff is, but Lighthoff is cheaper than uh, D'Angelo's Might. And um, and yeah, I think I would take Trailmaker over the Might, but I would take all of these over Seek Power. Yeah. And so would you take like a Minotaur Lighthoof or a Suffocate? Uh, pack one, pick one. I think I would take Suffocate. I think I would take Suffocate. Um, because of the fact that it's only single shadow, right? So, and I, although I, I think suffocate is good enough that 
I would be happy to, you know, combine it with a splash of eavesdrops, um, start an augmentation, stuff like that. I would, depending on how my other removal package looked like, because yes. it's so efficient, um, I would be happy, you know, to, uh, and relevant, like at all parts of the game as well, because even if you join late game, it can still kill a decent sized flyer or the refugee and stuff like that. So, uh, so yeah, I think I would go for that, even though Lighthoof is probably slightly stronger in a vacuum um, to start with. Right. Yeah, I think also Suffocate, it's, uh, you know, it's easy to compare it to Call, call the Hit, um, but the fact that it hits three attack units is, I think, a pretty big deal in this format because... It is. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because sometimes your opponents just never play a two, <laughs> two attack unit yeah. and then your yeah, Call the yeah, Hit absolutely. just sits there as you hope they, <laughs> they play one eventually, but everyone sorry just to say or they play like a captain for example and then kind of your cool tit is just very sad in your head (laughs) yeah well suffocate just hits a a much wider range of uh, units absolutely cool i i think that was a a great breakdown of uh where we're at in the draft packs and then i think we're gonna uh finish the show here by reviewing a draft um that uh kate the bard on the main discord did um you know, you can use the main Discord or our Discord and kind of, you know, post your screenshots and people can review a draft for you. So this is one that I thought was pretty interesting um, that they posted on the main Discord. So I thought it'd be fun to go through that and get to, you know, just talk about some more cards as we prepare for uh, this open here. All right. Yeah. So we're going to do a draft here and we'll do it similar to how we did uh, last week where we're not going to go through every single pick. But uh, I think the sort of the beginning of pack one and two are, I think, pretty foundational to <laughs> to the direction that your deck's going in, in this format. So uh, we'll review that and then see where the deck ends up at, at the end of it. So the first pack, cards in contention. Uh, the rare is the primal sketch. Uh, which is the power that, if you've played a sigil already, comes in untapped or comes in undepleted, and then you can pay six to make a relic that says pay six to draw a card, and that's an amplify. Uh, there's also Dark Bolt, which is the two primal deal one damage to an enemy unit, and then at night you get the deal five damage. There's a Shingane Forge, which is the five fire fire relic that when you play a unit, you draw a two one weapon. Uh, and then there's a Borderlands Lookout, the one cost zero three that gains one attack for every influence your opponent has. Uh, standout commons uh, there's an Extinguished, a Finest Hour, uh, a Humbug's Nest um, is also in there. And then there's a in dual color, there's a Stormhold concoction. So what do you yeah. think about this pack? So I think this is uh, reasonable, reasonably solid pack. You've got, like, a, like you've listed there, um, a, quite a, f- a few solid options. Um, I'm kind of drawn to Extinguish and Finest Hour, and then Borderlands Lookout and Stormhold concoction. Probably just below those two. The sketch is fine, but it is and it is a slower format. But um, six is a lot. Yeah, a lot still to be doing. Still very slow. Yeah, it is very slow. So, like, uh, it's similar, kind of similar to that high wind glider. I think it's called the one fire for six in Huru. Yeah. 
that's uh you pay five to draw a card but five is is a it's quite a bit less than six yes um, and also with, with the glider i found the glider at least blocks you know like exactly this is exactly, a slower yeah. format but your opponents are doing powerful things <laughs> so you, you it yeah. it's it's not slower in the sense that you can do nothing on turn six and seven to draw a card right exactly yeah so i mean i would if there was literally nothing in the pack i probably would take it just as like a uh the off chance that it enables some kind of splash in the middle packs or um just as you know uh if my if my influence requirements if i wasn't primal but my influence requirements weren't that high i maybe would consider running it just as like a random under off color power that sometimes will draw to do something but yeah i think it's probably um extinguish or finest hour depending on which way you lean i think i might go finest hour over extinguish just because it's so cheap and um it's kind of a similar effect in terms of basically a removal um but uh yeah i, I thought you were taking one of those yes and then so kate here took the extinguish over the finest hour um, but yeah, okay. I, I agree with your analysis in that it's kind of between Extinguish and Finest Hour there for me too. Um, all right, so now on to pack two. Um, cards in contention. So they took the rare out. The rare's not here, but as far as the un uncommons, there's uh, Outland Sniper, which is the four fire fire two two summon deal two damage. Uh, there's an Umbral Edge, which is the four shadow shadow two two relic weapon with Empower plus one plus one, and then a Savage Denial which is the one-cost primal card that negates uh, an enemy fast spell. As far as the good commons, uh, not, there's fewer good commons in this pack. Uh, in Shadow, to go with our Extinguish, there's a Lurking Brute. Uh, there's also a Battlewise Elite, and then a Genius Combatant, um, I think, or maybe, oh, and a Workshop Tinker, maybe the best uh, commons in the pack. Yeah, yeah, this is kind of a little bit of a, a drop-off in power level. Um, but I'm kind of looking either, at, I think, at the Brute or the Sniper, uh, the Outland Sniper. Um, mm -hmm. It's just kind of the most the most impactful cards, I guess. And yeah, I think I would probably take the... I think I would take the Brute because Sniper, even though it is better in a vacuum, that double... That double F again just puts me off a little bit because um, you're basically only going to be playing it in like a two faction deck, ideally. Yes. And heavy fire, so that kind of limits your options a little bit in terms of a, a macro level, you know, of, of what potentially decks you you're looking to run. Um, once you start branching off into three, four faction and stuff like that, double faction, double influence requirements start to get quite tricky yeah i i agree with uh with that i think one of the problems with sniper is or like is like fire can i think enable a little bit more of a controlling deck or you know like be a splash color yeah. in one of these yeah. three or four yeah. faction decks but but this yeah. isn't a card that helps that and then when fire is a main color it's exactly, often yeah. in a more aggressive deck in which case you know this even then this like falls off a little bit in in, in power level um 
I don't know. I think if I'm if I'm main fire, I think I would always run this pretty much. Yeah, no, um, no, I, 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 think, I, I yeah, I, uh, I do agree with that. Um, that it, it is definitely a powerful card, but it's I don't know, I don't know. It, it's it's just it, kind of it's not as good as Captain. Basically, is yeah. what we're trying to say. Um, like, obviously, captain is like a crazy pushed common, but uh, like I splash multiple captains and stuff like that. That's the kind of card you want to splash for. Whereas yes. this is um, not in the same bracket. Yes. Uh, so if you so okay, so lurking brute. So if you had taken the finest hour, what do you take out of this pack? If I've taken finest hour, I would. I think I would still take the brute. Um, okay. But I think, it, yeah, it would be, um, I think it would be, that's kind of the mindset I'm I'm trying to instill, which is, or try, trying to like carry out for myself, which is quite tricky to get out of the habit of, you know, okay, I've picked this, I've got all these, I've got all these primal cards, but when you actually look at them, they're like cartographers and um, hyenas and stuff like that. And they're actually, they're not very good. Um and you think, oh, I'm primal, but you're not really. You're just, you have some primal cards that you've taken because there's nothing else there. And actually, you should just, I think, yeah, for this, these packs, just be taking the, the strongest cards that you can get. So it would be between Lurking Brute and the Sniper again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Um, so you have uh, uh, Workshop Tinker and Genius Combatant as sort of a level below Lurking Brute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then, um, actually, uh, uh, Kate here uh, took Outland Sniper. So we are we are 0 for 2 here <laughs> <laughs> following our draft. But uh, I think I think this is what one of the reasons I picked this draft, because I think it is pretty interesting the different lines you can go, even in these, like, quote-unquote, mm. weaker draft packs and how that can influence mm -hmm. your decisions. All right. So um, again, the rare, a rare and common are missing from this pack. Uh, so the three uncommons are there. They are tandem training, which is the Skycrag relic um, for four. That says when you attack with uh, two units, uh, give your units plus one plus. Give the two units that attack plus one plus one. Uh, there's an obstructive flicker, which is the one primal primal uh, that can negate a spell as well as uh, deal one damage to all attacking units. There's a Chancellor's Horn, which is the two justice uh, um, relic that I think has like in power. <laughs> you got to play five power and then you get to draw a unit from your deck. Um, and then as far as commons, uh, you know, the, the shout outs in fire, there is an ornate katana um, to go along with Outland Sniper that you've just picked up. In shadow, there's a, um, a deep cover operative. And a Lethri Blade Whirler, and the Blade Whirlers, the five shadow, five two, that gives another unit plus three attack uh, while it's still around. Um, and then in Justice, uh, there's a Copper Hall Marshal, uh, Time, there's a Horned Four Lunk. Yeah, so this is the kind of pack that if there were a banner in there, I would take a banner. Um, no matter what color it was. Whatever color combination it was, I would uh, pretty much take a banner over anything that's in here. Yes. Um, so that being said, there's not one. Um, and so I would, I think, take the best card in a vacuum, which is the Blade Whirl. Um, it is pairs nicely with sort of the flyers that you can get in Primal, um, some of the flyers in time. Uh, 
goes nicely with the unseen agent if you're like quite aggressive stone scar stuff like that um it's good with like a danger bot because uh, your opponent doesn't really want to trade with like a revenge unit so it's got quite a lot of applications even though it is quite easy to um remove yes but uh aren't most of shadows five five drops um, <laughs> uh yeah, I, I like that. And uh, that is actually what uh, Kate took to. Lethrite Blade Whirler for me personally is like a tricky card because I just like, because Core Scavenger and the Prime, the just because most of that cycle yes. is so bad, I just like yeah. A, yeah. immediately dismiss Blade Whirler, even though it is better, much better than than the rest of that. Yeah, certainly the best ones of that cycle, yeah. I think the Shaman is okay, the 2-5 Frostfist Shaman yeah. um, is fine in a certain kind of deck, but uh, but yeah, I think this one's definitely the best one. Um, yes. So I have I have trouble getting over that hump, so I might like sure. uh, have taken the Copper Hall Marshall or, or something, but I, okay. I, I do, sure. I think I think Blade Roller is probably the correct pick here, and that is actually what uh, uh, Kate took. All right, so then okay. pick, uh, pick four. Uh, there's a rare uh, and an uncommon missing, um, and so the two common or sorry, the two uncommons left are Bolt Crafter Shaman, which is the six primal two six. Your spells deal plus two damage. There's a Twilight Raptor, which is the one cost Felm two two flyer. Um, and then as far as commons go, again, not great in Shadow. Um, there's really just a back alley delinquent in fire. There's just hoof slash. Um, and then in justice, there's a fall short and then a boiling geyser in primal. Um, so again, this is probably a pack that I would take a banner out of if there was one. Um, yes. To kind of illustrate that the power level and kind of what I'm looking at. Um, I would take, I think I would take Raptor as the best card again um mm -hmm. with i tried to do bulk crafter shaman shenanigans with some trick throws and stuff like that it didn't really work out unfortunately um it was fine like with warning shot it was quite nice you know play the shaman and then uh, you get a free torch or quote-unquote free torch um which is fun but uh but yeah i think raptors raptors the best and then probably either shaman or fall short and the next best card okay do you, how do you like Back Alley Delinquent? Do you think that's a, a card you like in the format? Do you find the Sabotage helpful? I don't like it. I don't like it just because... There's an argument because people are running more spells because some spells are power because they have inscribed, which is fantastic. So you are more likely to hit, but if you're making them throw away like an ice over, that's not really... Or like a Lost in Thought or something... It's not uh you've you've traded a card for that, you know. So having to discard to potentially hit something from your opponent's hand, I've not liked that at all. And I'm right. kind of quite happy when my opponent does it. Okay. And you and you don't feel like tight on two drops enough that you would need to take these early. No, no, just because unfortunately the stats are so bad that it doesn't really do anything like it can't really attack 
and you don't really want to attack with it anyway because they're probably going to hit you back with like a 2-1 or a 2-2. So yeah. you just kind of have to sit there and then it gets outclassed yeah. and then that doesn't, doesn't do much, unfortunately. Yeah. I do always get surprised that it has quick draw, though, which <laughs> comes yeah. up every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. You're like, <laughs> yeah, it does. Oh, I'll just block. And you're like, wait, that has quick draw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, when they put like a ritual dagger or something on it, all of a sudden you're like, mm-hmm. oh, this is, we now have a problem. All right. I like I the Twilight Raptor pick is interesting. I don't think I would have done that, but um, since it's a two color sort of, it's a good card, but it's slightly low impact. So I might have taken a full short personally, which also has its issues in this format. Okay. But uh, Kate actually did take yeah. the Twilight Raptor. So um, you guys are, you know, okay. you're getting on the same wavelength there. Syncing um, up, syncing up. Okay. Yeah. All right. So then this is uh, pick five cards in contention. Uh, there's one uncommon left, and that's uh, Psionic Savant, which is the five primal 1-1 flyer and then whenever you draw a card it gets plus one plus one uh there are no fire cards in here um as far as shadow uh the main one is dark wisp there's also a uh, switchblade what is it uh there's also a switchblade yeah a switchblade dead eye yeah um in time there's erected on egg and a vorlunk there's a queen's elite also and i think those are probably all the cards worth talking about Yeah, yeah, this is kind of rough. Um, I would. I don't like Savant at all. Just it's uh, way too fragile when it comes down um, to kind of do anything really. You can't block with it. You can't probably attack with it for a few turns. So it just sits there and hoping not to be removed um, for for like a fraction of the cost that you paid for it. So. Yeah, it's kind of between one of the sh- Shadow Two Drops and Queen's Elite, I think. Um, I don't particularly like Queen's Elite because there is so much kind of cheap interaction and stuff like that around. So it can be quite tricky to set up. Um, so I think I would go one of the Shadow Two Drops, probably the uh, Dark Wisp, just because I kind of like the value of getting a card out of it when it dies and you can hopefully get some combos with like midnight hunter and stuff like that with it yes um what do you think about uh erected on egg i don't like egg i don't like egg as well similar to um it's just a high variance card right if you get it on turn one it's fantastic if you don't have it on turn one if you have it on turn two it's kind of okay it's yeah. okay but any later turn two you're you, and it's just it's such a bad top deck. Um, and one of the surefire ways to like lose a game of Limited is to have reach a, a point in the game where you and your opponent are both top decking and then you draw a card that has no, no impact on the game. Um, and so it just puts you at such a disadvantage, potentially, that, uh, that I don't like it. But I can see the appeal because you can get it on turn one and you have a you know, like a 4-4, four, four, um, ready to attack on turn four. But yeah, not for me. Yeah, it's it's just an interesting, because this is a card that I thought used to be like way overplayed. <laughs> like, like I, I... Yeah, yeah. 
I really didn't like it in previous formats. I do think there is some argument to say that it's better in this format because it is slower. With Inscribe, you are sort of, in some sense, playing more power, even though you're only playing. You are. You are. Yeah. 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 Um, and so you're like more, li- you're less likely to have like interacted on eggs sitting there with like two, <laughs> two in power um, or, or whatever. So I do think, but I agree. It's, it's a deck. It's a card that now makes my deck sometimes, but uh, I, I think this is a card that people really overvalue. Yeah, indeed. Like I, I think in the it was either the last, um, last open day two or the one before that. My opponent played turn one rectally and turn two rectally egg, and I still won that game. Uh, I think so. For whatever that's worth, it's like uh, you can still get the nut draw with it and still it's not good enough, you know. Sometimes. Yes. Uh, exactly. Um, all right, and then uh, pick six, uh, cards of contention. Uh, there's two uncommons left. There's Gavel's Insight, which is the one Cambrai uh, give fast spell that says give a unit plus two, plus two, and then amplify two to destroy an enemy relic. There's an Emerald Ring uh, in Shadow. There's an Unchecked Upgrader. Um, and then I think the next or another good card is just the Justice um, Steadfast Paladin. Yeah, yeah, Paladin is it's quite solid. It's very good with the uh any of the cycle of uh one drop, you know, students, um alchemy student, Terex mount, stuff like that. That uh that give it a permanent buff and flying or lifesteal, what have you, and then your opponent basically can't block it, or they can block it, but not with very much ease. Yeah. Um I don't hate unchecked upgrader. I think it's fine in the right kind of deck. Like it combos with mercenary vanguard, which mm-hmm. we mentioned. Um, if you've got pretty good flyers, that. it's quite nice. With- oh yeah, pretty good Go with fast paladin too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you can get that get that train rolling, it's quite nice. And I was going to say the unseen agent as well. The two drop, one one unblockable. Um, that can escalate quite quickly. Um, I think. I would I think I would take uh like Gavel's Insight is probably the strongest card. So mm-hmm. I think I would take that, even though it is two faction. Um Yeah. And we're not touching like, one here too, which is also like an interesting yes. thing to point out. Because you know, right now in uh Kate's deck we have like the Twilight we have like four shadow cards sort of and an outland sniper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and while like extinguish is, is a fine card, like extinguish is probably the only card that I'm really happy to be playing, even though Kate's kind of got four of those shadow cards right at this moment in time. So I might not even be shadow, even with all of those cards there right there. So Gavel's insight being able to kill, you know, a, um, uh, a hall brigade hall. Yeah. Plus, you know, kind of all sorts of other stuff, um, and being quite a nice trick that can get you over the line is um, is quite good. Yeah, it's and it's just yeah, being sort of a modal spell of sorts, uh, or having that, like some added mm-hmm. flexibility. It's a, I think it's a pretty good card. Um, uh, Definitely. Yeah, and Definitely. it gives also. I didn't mention it gives overwhelm, which can be relevant. Um, mm-hmm. Does that would would this fizzle 
uh, hoof stomp? Uh, yeah, yeah, it would, yeah, yeah. Okay, so even if they've already targeted, you could still play it, and then the hoof stomp wouldn't deal damage. As far as I, as far as I may be wrong, I don't think I've ever seen the interaction. But right. based on the wording, I would, I think it would fizzle it. Yeah, yeah, because like, um, I've definitely given a battle skill to like jump kick something that's being full shorted. Yeah, uh, that fizzles it. So, uh, so yeah, I think it's the same kind of deal with that. Okay. All right. Yeah. So look, look at that. Uh, more synergy. All right. <laughs> there you go. And then uh, well, this is the final pick we'll do from this one. This is uh, pick seven. Uh, the uncommon left is Edict of Linrai, which is the two primal uh, one that turn that stuns a unit, or if it's uh, fire or time, it stuns it and turns it into an O one totemite. Uh, in Justice, there's a steadfast paladin and maybe a talent of Nostrix, and that's probably the only only or. I guess uh, the other card I'll mention is Inspire, because uh, this is another card that I've been surprised, but I've been seeing a surprising amount yeah, from opponents. Yeah, me too, me too. Spiff played against me this morning, actually, um, in like a four-faction deck, which is quite interesting. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Warcry slash Plunder, but without the flexibility or the fact that you have to hit with a creature or like attack with a creature. So giving a buff is definitely not nothing, but yeah, I've never really been too high on it, to be honest. Maybe I need to reconsider it, just because it seems... The fail, the fail safer, right, is that you can just draw a card with it and just cycle it. Yeah. So it can never be too bad. But Yeah, um, you're, you're still paying always... two power, though. And... Exactly, yeah. 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 Exactly. Like even like with Collude or something like that, at least you're kind of... You can clear out an Aegis or reveal a stealth or something like that you're impacting the board a little bit or getting the effect you know of not something not blocking but this kind of just doesn't affect the board at all which is kind of a bit awkward um in terms of what i'd pick i think i would go for the paladin over the edict um here yeah just because uh like all of the edicts are kind of interesting um like they're fine, but some of them are better than others based on kind of what they hit. Like I think this is one of the better ones, honestly, because mm. even just the base rate of stunning a unit is something you can use usually. And then if you get to transform like a captain or something or a pterosaur, a carnosaur beta can be very nice. Um, but yeah, I'd probably take the paladin. Yeah, yeah. The the man, I haven't played the the primal one yet this format but the other ones are just it's like some algorithm with my opponents and whatever <laughs> edict i have they're yeah. all playing the other factions and then my <laughs> opponents always have the perfect edict against me it's uh it's been one yeah. of those yeah. Uh, yeah situations so i i avoid them on principle now that's fair <laughs> and i don't think you're making a super massive mistake by doing that to be honest so yeah all right, and so then uh, Kate sort of finishes out. They did take the Steadfast Paladin, and then um, the only other uh, cards of note, really, that they picked up uh, were a Wind Shaper. Uh, they got one of those late. They got a Magma Javelin late and a Skycrag Banner. Their deck uh, so far is uh, Twilight Raptor, Dark Wisp, uh, Steadfast Paladin, Outlands, Sniper, 
Unchecked Upgrader, Wind Shaper, Weth Fry Blade Whirler, Magma Javelin, Backlash, Extinguish, and then the Skycrag Banner. So we're going into pack two here. Um, and so the cards in contention, uh, the rare is Deja Vu, which is the four-time fast spell that I don't even know what it does. It bounces a unit and it gives it ambush. <laughs> and so yeah, it returns it to your hand, gives it ambush, and it costs zero for that turn. Yeah, I... I like I've read this a hundred times and I just still haven't processed <laughs> what you're supposed to do with it. So I just this is another card that I avoid on principle. You just don't see it. Yeah. yeah I'm just, just like I don't it. I don't quite I feel like it's gonna be in my hand and I'm not really gonna be sure what to do with it. And so I've I've lived my life so far without ever picking it. <laughs> then uh, in the uncommons, uh, there's a, a couple good uncommons. There's Learn to Bite, which is the five t- or five primal primal spell that turns one of your units into a five five Carnosaur with Killer. There's Caustic Rain, which is the four primal uh, spell with Inscribe that deals two damage to all units. And there's Inseparable, which is the five Shadow Shadow uh, return two units from your Void to your hand, and then if they're heroes, they gain plus two plus two. And then there's a, a some good commons uh, in shadow, which you know you have quite a few of. There's a midnight hunter uh, in justice. There's a diminish. There's a saddle sarasaur in time, and then uh, there's an unseen marksman, which is uh, the Argentport two cost three three. Yeah, this is this is quite an interesting pack, and kind of one where again this is this is the first pack of first pick pack two, so you're not going to get any signals from it or anything like that. So again, I would lean more towards the most powerful slash least replaceable effects and not necessarily related to anything that we've got or picked really from mm-hmm. pack one, to be honest. Um, so I'm looking at Inseparable uh, Marksman. Learn to Bite, I've come a little bit down on. It's it still quite good and people, I think my opponents are playing it more than I am and it's still doing some work, but the fact that you can get blown out when your opponent has open power, you kind of do I go for it? Do I not go for it? Because if they just bounce in response or or just remove it in response, it's a two for one, which is kind of rough. Um, yeah, I think my, my other problem, I actually don't like learn to bite that much either. Not that it's like yeah. unplayable or anything. The thing I struggle with with it a lot is that oftentimes, like you're upgrading a unit, but you're also you like kill one of their flyers, and then you now have nothing back so either you're like in a board stall where there's like a lot of units when it's very good or you're ahead and it's very good but like it's not like a good removal spell f- when you're behind in, in my yeah, opinion absolutely yeah because yeah it's yeah exhausting your attacker or sorry your, your blocker to um to kill something usually means you know you're taking an extra couple of hits or or what what have you to, yeah. uh, that puts you kind of far behind and then they kind of on their turn because it's five as well it basically takes up your whole turn so you take up your whole turn kill something they get to swing again and then probably deploy something that was either similar power level or better possibly yeah you have now got a better blocker but they might be able to go wild on you or stuff like that depending on the board state so it is kind of awkward for sure sometimes yeah exactly um so so I think here I would take um I think I would take the marksman actually just because it's really really good. <laughs> and I've 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 been splashing them 
um, and stuff like that. And they are, yeah, very strong. Play yeah. multiples of them. They're good at any point in the game. And then probably Inseparable would be my second choice. Right. No, I, 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 uh, I, I like that. I, I, I would have trouble deciding between Marksman and Inseparable personally. Um, and I definitely like going, uh, I like the, the Marksman pick because Inseparable is, it's double shadow, it's slow. And, y- you know, y- we didn't get any in pack one, but there are triumphant returns sort of around. So it's not yep. quite as an irreplaceable effect as it was. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And actually, uh, Kate uh, took, learn to bite here and uh one of the reasons was that they thought that um sort of in contention to what how you've been viewing the format um thought they're like wind shaper and uh was their best card and they also had a banner and so they were just they liked their primal better than their shadow um and so yeah all right and then uh pick two here uh pack two uh, cards in contention. The rare was taken out, so the uncommons uh, worth mentioning are two fire ones. There's Draconic Looting, uh, which is the three cost draw three, though you discard them at the end of your turn with Inscribe. There's Jeering Yeti, the two cost three one with Inscribe, that when your opponent targets one of your units, you get to draw a power burst. As far as uh, commons go, uh, in Shadow, there's a Eavesdrop. In Primal, there's a Trick Throw. In Time, there's a Carnosaur Beta. And then in Justice, there is a Last Light Refugee. So a pretty good uh, mix of uh, commons here, too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yes, quite a nice spread. Um, And I do like the Fire Uncommon Inscribes quite a lot. I I love, I say love, I I really like uh, Draconic Looting. Um, I think it's great, and you should get it as well. Definitely, um, definitely, kind of the premium fire inscribes because the kind of the common fire inscribes are not great. Um, so you're kind of looking for those if you are in fire, the uncommon effects for sure. I think here I would take eavesdrop mm-hmm. because I just like having at least one. We're looking to be shadow certainly kind of as as a main color so far and um like we haven't taken any fire cards really outside of the um at all and so i don't think the other two are enough better than it to justify taking one um so yeah i'll probably take the eavesdrop okay so uh kate in particular hates the card eavesdrop so pretend this wasn't there well okay you- what you would you recommend they take? Um, if eavesdrop wasn't there, and based on what they've picked already, I would probably take uh, trick throw. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's what uh, I suggested while they were doing the draft. I also would have taken <laughs> the eavesdrop though, because it is a card that I'm happy to to play one of, and it's just so backbreaking. It's like I play it as a power a lot, but sometimes. And it's not always the best card, but sometimes it's just so backbreaking <laughs> that you need to. Yeah, you need. To, it's definitely one of the more skill testing uh, inscribe cards, or just cards in general, because not only does it have inscribe, so you can play it as a power, but merely the fact that it exists, firstly, kind of alters how I play for sure. Like against any shadow deck, I'm always reluctant to play out any additional power. 
because yeah. of the fact that it exists at all. And doing it at certain points, like sometimes you do have to fire it off when your opponent does have five cards in hand just because there's no foreseeable time when you're going to be able to cast it again. Um, like you've got a five drop, you've got a six drop. And so by that point, your opponent might have only have one card left in their hand. So you kind of need to fire it out then. And sometimes they can make a mistake as well, discarding, making the wrong choices with what they discard. Yes. Um, and also you get the random effect that it can hose like triumphal return and stuff like that by stealing their graveyard as well, which is quite nice. Yes. Yes. It definitely it's Yeah. That's, it's like, that's a really weird tagline they put on it that comes up. A, a surprising amount, actually. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, and also as well, someone got me uh, yesterday with you know a buff from Pathcutter. Um, if you steal sort of their graveyard, they got a Pathcutter that's already in there, and a, a Tinker Alchemist as well. You know those kind of buffs that trigger from the graveyard. Yes, exactly. All right, so you would take the eavesdrop here, um, and then next maybe the trick throw. Um, all right, yep. and then so then pick three of pack two uh, cards of contention. There's the three uncommons are left. It's Vermin's Feast, which is the six shadow shadow inscribe, and then you switch uh, your attack and health with another unit's attacker, or each switch. Sorry, you switch two units' attacks and health. Um, there's a yep. caustic rain, mm-hmm. um, and then a felm tome, and then as far as uh, commons go. Uh, there's our danger bot is in here. Uh, left, right trapper and shadow not very good. Uh, there's a star kissed wings in uh, justice, and then maybe a dive bomber are the the two commons really worth calling out here. Yeah, um, I think this is quite an easy. Well, maybe not actually. Um, based on kind of what the picks that I've been making, I would be looking at star kissed wings and uh, Verma's feast. But I think I would just take feasts. Yeah, um, because it's extremely it can be an extremely strong effect um similar to mind control um, right. from magic which is um basically a, an enchantment that would effectively for those not familiar would steal kind of your opponent's best unit or a unit from your opponent and you gain control of it um and this that then vermin's feast kind of has a similar effect where you're basically swapping your worst unit for their best unit um which at a fast speed as well can be quite uh, a blowout um, in terms of mid-combat, stuff like that. Yeah, I think this is one of those cards where there's just like, at some point in the game, there stops being a way to play around it. And it's just like... Yeah, 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 exactly. It, it, there's like, very, it just locks up the game. I mean, the board state needs to be in a particular situation for that, but there's just it's just so impactful went in certain board states mm-hmm. um, it's, it, yeah probably leads to like some of the biggest swings outside of like uh harsh rule effects and stuff like that um where you you go from being so far ahead to being so far behind with yeah. just one god yeah it's sometimes better than harsh rule it's like it turns into like yeah. a, a one-sided harsh rule <laughs> yeah plague wind plague yeah. wind yeah where you just kill your opponent's units yeah um all right, so yeah, and then so you, you were thinking about the Starcast Wings because you you would have had like the uh, Unseen Marksman, and then if we go way back, the uh, Finest Hour. The Finest Hour and the uh, Paladin as well. Yeah, yeah, I think the Paladin, so yeah. All right, um, 
Okay, and then uh, we'll do a, a couple more picks here. This one's kind of interesting. Um, so this is pick four, uh, Cards of Contention. The rare is still here. It is Elemental Fury, which is the four Skycrag spell that deals four damage to all units. And then there's, uh, in the commons, there's a Hoofstomp in Fire. Uh, there's a Scalehide in Primal as an Inscribe. And then there's another Unseen Marksman as the, the three commons worth mentioning. Mm -hmm. So I do quite like Fury. I think Fury is uh, a fine spell. Um, it can be a little hot, tricky to set up, so I do like to splash it because outside of Skycrag, you kind of Skycrag is a, a little bit aggressive. You know, usually don't doesn't have units that are bigger than four. Yeah. Um, I can't think of, I can't think of many to be honest that are bigger than four uh, health. So it's kind of going to kind of kind of going to kill all of your stuff, but. Um, I don't hate splashing it in like Feln or or uh, or stuff like that, or maybe a kind of more controlling Stone Scar, mm -hmm. or just a four five, four or five faction pile. It's quite nice in there as well. Um, but yeah, here for it's just an easy marksman, I think, for me, based on what we've got. Okay, so over the Elemental Fury, it's the marksman. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's yeah, that's that's really interesting because uh, they did take the Elemental Fury, kind of fitting into this uh, menace, this uh, fire primal shadow deck that they have yeah. uh they have going here um all right so then this uh next pick uh again the rare is still here it's ramba which is the six cost firefire time time eight eight with endurance and then you draw a card every time you kill a unit with uh two attack or less there's a chakram's throw as the uncommon that's left and then um in the commons there's an ice over a call the hit and a hoof stomp that's quite a late ramba but uh, quite far away from it. And just a kind of word on these double, double, double faction rares that you do come sometimes see quite late, like show Ramba, Yadria, stuff like that. Unless you're fixing either one of the your main colors is one of them, or your fixing is just like outrageously good. It's kind of even though I'm playing sort of these four five five faction color decks, they still stretch the power base quite a bit. So you do have to have kind of the right setup mm -hmm. to facilitate taking them um so while one of the payoffs is that you do get them sometimes sometimes this late like these kinds of picks you do have to be set up in the right way like if i if we were in that position where i had like a trail maker or two or seek power and stuff like that and some inscribes um for sure i would take the ram but even if we didn't have any other fire cards just because he is so strong mm -hmm. but um but yeah the fact that they double double is very intensive and so you do have to be set up in a certain way to take advantage of that. Based on what we have right now, I'd just take Call the Hit, probably the second best card here. And um, it's a very nice inscribed card. Yes. Yep. And uh, and that's what they took too. All right. And we'll do uh, the one last pick here. This is uh, pick six in pack two. And cards in contention, uh, all, the common, all the rares and uncommons are gone. So uh, in... The commons that are worth mentioning, they're in fire. There's the Caldaran Captain. In Justice, there's a Rune Sword. Uh, there's a Rune Binder in Shadow. And then um, and then that's really about it. I would take Captain here. I think this is a super late Captain. And even though we don't have any fire cards right now, I'd be looking to pick up some, either some Excribe or some dual faction banners, tomes, or whatever to try and splash it, because I think it's so powerful that I would be happy to 
to splash it over taking like a more safer uh, inscribed rune sword. If it was a Starkiss Wings instead of a rune sword, uh, I might lean on the wings just because it's more impactful. But I think here, Captain's enough better than rune sword that I would take it. Right. And so I, I don't know if this has given you enough to like feel like where you think the direction of this uh, deck is going because this is kind of an interesting pack because or uh, you know draft in my opinion because you know like the way you've navigated it you have a bunch of cards and a bunch of different co- colors because you have some unseen marksmen's you know mm-hmm. in Arjunpur we do have a couple fire cards now that we took this captain we have you know a couple primal cards we have a couple just you know justice cards and so then but we didn't see any early invokes or right. or anything like yeah. that so we we don't have yeah. like sort of the premier powerful card so what yeah do you have what you're uh, like some thoughts about what you're thinking about where the direction of this draft is where you're hoping to go with it yeah yeah i'm kind of in my mind i'm kind of looking uh leading sort of the argent port um as a base and then i've had quite decent success with that pivoting out into fire and primal for um for the sort of stolen augmentations and captains for fire and sweet dreams stuff like that all these powerful effects if we to see them if we don't see them then hopefully you know we've still got a captain that we can uh maybe pick up another one maybe pick up some fists that i would potentially look to splash if I got the support for it and just as many unseen marksmen as you can get. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, how Kate's draft ended up, uh, they ended up in a pretty solidly three color uh, menace deck, um, which again is fire primal shadow. Uh, they, we, uh, you know, they did end up getting some pretty good cards. They uh, ended up picking up mm-hmm. like an adaptive predator. Uh, we have a stone scar bow. Uh, like I said, mm-hmm. they they had the elemental fury. They picked up a sweet yeah. dreams. You know, a card that you highlighted is really hoping to get. We did get uh, a fist and a looting later. Uh, you know, I think one of um, and also a seek power to help with the power a little bit. You know, I think one of the problems uh, in my mind with the deck is our two drops are pretty light. Uh, especially for being in the menace colors, we only have uh, two two drops uh, with uh, Blade Can Apprentice, uh, Dark Wisp, and Yeti Snowslinger, and so they're also in three different colors, which can be uh, a challenge. That's a little bit awkward, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But you know, there are definitely some good cards in here. Um, so mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah. So I thought that was an interesting draft, and I think I have a feeling. You know, we didn't review all the picks, but you might have ended up in a, a very different place at at the end, um, having leaned leaned more into Argent Port. Yeah. So the the last thing I want to say is uh, we didn't mention this earlier. I had meant to, but uh, it does seem like the uh, the draft open has been clarified. So it is uh, each run is one draft of fourteen games, and then you get to do two tries at that. And if you get more than 10 or more wins, you qualify for day two. And that is probably going to be more than a top 64. 
Yeah. So, so there might be one round, possibly two rounds, depending on how many people participate and how well they do. So do you have any uh, thoughts for people getting ready for the draft open? Anything left to say uh, for the listeners? Um, I would just, I've said it kind of before, um, I think a few times when I've been on, um, and just take your time. For me personally, that's kind of the thing that I, I get into the habit of playing too quickly, thinking too, acting too quickly. Um, but you've got plenty of time. There's a timer there for a reason. And so make sure you're thinking about your decision at all points, you know, even especially within Scribe, because I like to try, as long as it didn't impact on my curve too much, I try and leave it as late as possible to inscribe, obviously, so you have more information. If you leave it two draws down the line, you know if you need that power or you don't need that power. And with the games being quite grindy, most of the time it can come down to inscribing the eavesdrop or not can um, can be a pretty big swing whether you do it. So definitely take your time and and enjoy it because it is cool to have this. I'm not too sure how the format's going to go. It's going to be interesting because I'm not too... I don't think it's going to impact the way that I draft or approach it. The fact that it's going to be 14 games with one deck. You just hope you don't get a dream wreck. <laughs> although you don't have to play all the games, you don't have to play 14 games, um, I guess, which is an upside. Um, you might only play four or five. Yeah, it's still a bit rough having only two shots at it. I think that will definitely increase the variance. You would think just uh, based on, you know, having, even though you're playing, still playing 28 games, the fact that it's over two decks instead of four. It's, uh, yeah, or even difference. one deck now. That's what's really interesting. If you really yeah. spike your first Yeah, draft. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm still a little undecided. I might sit this one. I just, I really hope they change the format back to closer to how it yeah. used to be. Yeah. But I don't know. I just, I I struggle even playing my <laughs> my 10 games in league when I play league. So the idea yeah. of playing 14 games with a single deck, especially if it's a train rack where yeah. you feel like you have to at least give it a try and then you're just going to be like losing and it's just going to feel miserable, I feel like. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, I would say definitely if that does happen, sorry, um, to jump in, you know, don't be afraid to take a break and, you know, take a few hours out and just come back and try again or in between games if you feel yourself getting tilted or stuff like that or uh, or annoyed um for sure you've got enough time there's enough of a gap for you to complete all the games that um you can take a break and come back with a fresh mindset right and then the one last question i I wanted to ask because we've been you know focusing a lot on these four faction decks and these grindy decks do you think there's any chance that you draft uh, like a red aggressive deck or like a red stone scar or ricano deck yeah for sure for sure like the deck that we were looking at in that draft just now, I think would be leaning more like with uh, 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 Unseen Marksman. It's just a, a great card to just run out on two and say, okay, you're going to take sort of six, nine damage if you don't put out a blocker. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm more than happy to to lean that way, especially if you know time is not open and I, you're not seeing those banners and stuff like that. You kind of have to have to be uh, adaptable for sure and just having being comfortable playing all of those colors all of those factions in in, in different setups is quite a cool thing to be able to do i guess because it does um leave you being adaptable 
All right, cool. Well, thank you. I think this was a, a sort of content-packed episode. I hope this helps <laughs> everyone as they get ready for the strap built-in. I'm going to try to get this out uh, tonight or tomorrow morning so that people have time to listen to this and digest it before the open. Uh, thank you, Gunnar, for coming on. Uh, this is another great show. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on these last uh, few weeks. No, no problem. Thanks again. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And so that'll be our show here. So thanks thanks again for everyone who's listening. Thanks to all our patrons for making the show a success. And for those of you who are not patrons, a reminder to give us a, a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. You can join us in our Discord. Uh, there'll be a link in the uh, show description below, as well as uh, thumbs up all of Raven Dragon's Reddit posts. I think that helps. Uh, you know, people still do use Reddit, and so that helps uh promote the show and it's helpful for us. And also don't forget to send in all your seven one decks you do this week to farmingeternal at gmail.com or the discard. And remember to keep on farming. Have a great day. Goodbye.